This is episode 13 of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. This episode will be a little bit different than the others you've heard so far, as we have a guest on the show today. We're really excited to welcome Bridget Johns to today's show because we're going to talk a little bit about IoT, so the Internet of Things, as it relates to stores. So today is really cool because we have Bridget Johns joining us, and Bridget is the head of marketing and customer experience at Retail Next. Um, and Retail Next is smack in the middle of all of that uh, Internet of Things and what they're calling smart stores. Uh, so I figured we'd just do a quick intro to, to Bridget, and you know I kind of kicked you off a little bit there, Bridget. And thank you for for jumping on for a few minutes. It's it's cool to have you here. Yeah, no, it's no problem at all. Thanks for having me. So outside of, you know, you're, you're doing marketing and customer experience slash end user experience for um, all the good things you guys are doing at, at Retail Next for, for retailers. But, you know, we don't want to push aside any of your experience before that, right? I mean, you've got a fair amount of years of experience with, with retailers and such as uh, Lancome, Tiffany & Company. So you've seen, I guess you've seen the, the older days of, of brick and mortar retailing. And now that you're on... You know, now that you're with a vendor such as Retail Next, which is more on the cutting edge, um, I'm sure you can look back and kind of go through some interesting what-if scenarios. <laughs> of, what if we had this kind of stuff in, in the stores? It'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, it's actually one of the reasons I joined the company um, now over seven years ago was um, when our CEO, Alexi, had his, this vision for the company he wanted to build. Um, it really addressed some issues that I saw happening within the then retail environment. And at that time, it was even not as the issues weren't as um, relevant or as prevalent, I guess, as they are today. But even at that time, just being able to get more granular about data of what was happening in the store, you know, we had front door traffic counting, but then I didn't have any additional information about what shoppers did when they came through the door. So I didn't know. Um, where they stopped and dwelled, what products they were interested in, where they were you know, having trouble on their shopping journey in the store. Some of the language that we use today that's very much part and parcel of a retailer's um, you know, list of problems they're trying to solve, that language didn't really even exist at the time. People weren't talking about, you know, seven or eight years ago, people weren't talking about points of friction or the shopping journey or connected experience. All of these terms that are you know front and center of today's um, conversation about retailer just didn't exist but I think there were deeper questions that we were seeking to answer so I got pretty excited about what Alexi was you know looking to build and um, I think as a as a company retail next has been you know very focused on the retail vertical it's the only vertical we serve and you know, one of the things that makes us a little special is we have a whole host of ex-retail experts within our organization. So as you mentioned, I have a pretty strong retail background and I'm not alone within our organization. So we have, you know, 20 or 30 other people who have really deep retail experience that, you know, help to make sure that the, the solutions we're bringing to market really address the, the questions on retailers' minds today. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's kind of like, <clears throat> I guess if you look back to the to the days, uh, and I'm not meaning to date you, by the way, Bridget. Um, that you look back to the days when you were in retail, it was right. You could say it was it was kind of the the I don't know. You'd call it maybe the dark ages of retail, of being, um, of having really no idea as a retailer as to what people are looking at and what they want, right? 
um, and having to make really uh, critical decisions with a lot of yeah. money at, uh, yeah. at stake, right? Yeah, but it was very old school merchandising driven. So, you know, merchandising and design would have an idea of what would sell and yeah. they would have very long lead times and would design the collection and then would, you know, put it on the floor and hope that it sold. I guess to kind of set the stage, when you define smart store, like the term smart store, what does that encompass? Um, like what are, what are the elements of a, of a smart store? Yeah, so when we talk about a smart store, it's really a retailer who has a vision for connecting um, data points and application across their environment to ultimately have a better experience for their shoppers. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of technology that's come on the market in the last seven or eight years that, that you know, is seeking to address particular challenges that exist within a retail environment. So it might be a fitting room application or a direct-to-consumer marketing application or front door traffic counting or um, shopper path analytics, whatever it is. And each of those applications, I think, they're, they're very good on their own. And you, any technologist that you talk to or technology company will say, well, we drive ROI by doing X, Y, and Z. Sure. And, and everyone has an ROI story. And of course, it's, you know, it's game stakes for being in the space. But what I think is really interesting about where retailers are today is this notion that you can start to combine those different technologies to answer multiple questions with more data in a more robust way um, within a retail environment. So there are, is, this the, is this kind of a blanket type um, concept for all retailers? Like when, when, when you guys are in your experience looking back at the retailers you were with, were there certain, <clears throat> certain types, excuse me, of retailers that are more likely to uh, embrace this kind of technology? Like is it for a certain type of, of goods being sold and are more likely to gravitate towards this than, other, than others that you've seen? I don't think that the notion of a smart store is specific to a particular um, retail vertical. What I do think is the applications that you kind of mesh together to create a smart store are going to be very different if you're a department store versus uh, you know, a specialty jewelry store. So Absolutely. the questions that you're trying to solve or the problems that you're solving for are going to be different and therefore the technologies that you want to integrate are also different. Um, I do think that there um, are a couple of areas where most retailers will have um, some kind of a smart store concept around associate engagement and you know, floor level associate productivity. Um, as you know, Todd, minimum wages are going up everywhere. We're looking at $15 an hour labor. Um, it will be impossible to um, service a retail environment the way it needs to be serviced without some investment in technology that takes away the non-selling tasks from the associates. So I think um, sales productivity is a big one. And I think the second big one, which um, you, in the space you know very well, is around merchandising and product. Uh, because of the integrated commerce, the multi-channel commerce, the um, availability of inventory and inventory um, allocation budgets. Mm -hmm tighter than ever. So um, really being able to use some smart technology to optimize merchandise, merchandise planning, I think is, is another area that's going to be, you know, pretty consistent across all retail. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it seems like, 
I mean, it does seem like, though, that mo that there's some retail types that would appreciate it more than others. Um, I mean, you mentioned a jeweler, and, and I kind of, I'd look at a jeweler and maybe contrast that with a, maybe like a hardware store. Something where there's definitive sections of the store, where, you know, you'd have someone going to one section of the store, um, putting something in their cart there, maybe having their, you know, their kind of, their special app for that store, whether whether this is a, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot type place or whatever. And then maybe being served a recommendation of, oh, okay, you just, you're looking at this, so this might be a good complement to that, you know, based on either, you know, their existing behaviors or maybe based on where in that store they've seen other shoppers move after being at that location, right? So it's it seems to me like, Maybe when you have a store like that, it might be a little bit more straightforward in a way because maybe then you could actually take them to different locations. But it seems like they'd all have their own unique angle to this, you know? <clears throat> yeah, I think that's what it is. It's about um, you know, making sure the technology that as a retailer that you um, employ for your particular store or your particular retail type is, um, you know, addresses the concerns of your business, which will be very different than other retailer types for sure. But if you think about like a specialty retail, like a specialty jeweler, I think that the challenge for specialty jewelry, for example, is that traffic is a little bit lower than it might be for, you know, a, mm -hmm. a hardware store. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure that your staff on the floor um, optimizes every single person that walks through the door. So it's, it's not a, it's not a must have. Jewelry is not a must have. It's a nice to have. And it's a very competitive category. So you want to make sure that when somebody walks through the store, through the door, your associate can very quickly identify everything about that person, can very quickly identify their needs, that they're not doing other activities like cycle counting or cleaning or whatever it is. And you can start to, to put together this set of solutions that really help to optimize that. So, you know, you know that through the use of, of data and some of these tools, for example, you would know that on a Wednesday afternoon, the chances of you having buyers come into your store is lower than it is on a Saturday morning. Um, so you can allocate task work uh, based on what you know is likely to happen in the store so that um, when customers come into the store re really looking to buy, that they're able to be serviced in the most effective way. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting when you think about uh, like luxury retailers in general. Do you think that maybe they were, uh, they almost considered themselves immune to needing these types of things, you know, at one point, perhaps because they are they're luxury retailers? Yeah, and I think for that particular segment, also just understanding the customer more. Sure. In addition to the, the very dramatic um, pace of change happening within retail, the within stores and how um, consumers um, shop and, and consume product. Yeah. The kind of the second trend, which is just as important, is the consumer is so different. Like the millennial shopper and um, the 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 generations that are coming up, they shop so differently than you and I do and and our contemporaries did growing up. And the importance of brand and brand connection is very different. Um, for somebody who's 25 versus somebody who's 45. Completely think, agree. Yeah. Yeah. For that, for that segment of specialty luxury retail, it's, um, you know, I think that's even uh, more important, I guess. Yeah. And I do think that the other thing that's really interesting that we talk about a fair amount is 
all of this technology is amazing. And if you have this mm. environment where your you know, associate can come to the front door, open the door with her smartphone, it automatically clocks her in. She walks into the store. She gets a list of tasks she has to perform with some idea of the best time to do those tasks. Like that's phenomenal for um, engaging, for allowing the associate to have the the capability to engage customers when they come in. So, you know, she's doing task work at the right time, mm-hmm. not when customers in the store, for example. But I think that you can't, um, you can't lose sight of the fact that retail should be a bit of a discovery for consumers. And if you're not, if you're still not investing in the product that your customers want, that your shoppers want and bringing innovation to, to the product itself, um, you're still not going to win. So I think you, you, I believe very strongly in having smarter stores and, and stitching together these data points and, you know, using machine learning to, you know, drive predictive, um, predictive data points within, within the retail environment. But if you don't have awesome product and if you're not connecting to your, your consumers from a brand perspective, you're still going to struggle. Yeah, no doubt. It's hard for them to understand too, what their, um, what their, what their customers want anyway, half the time, it seems, um, when there's so many competing brands, so many competing styles, messages, store types, um, and then you throw in social media and all those things, which is, you know, further muddying the waters. I think, um, and I've heard it now at two women for daily conferences, mm-hmm. um, the same trend for two years now is particularly female shoppers are really bored. I think, you know, coming out of the last economic downturn, yeah. designers and retailers got very safe and, um, you know, really wanted to pump out product that was easy to sell and that consumers didn't have to take a risk on. Um, but now, I mean, I certainly don't need any more black sweaters in my closet, that's right. for sure. Right. So I think consumers are looking for some innovation and some newness that's particularly in women's apparel, which is one of the hardest hit categories right now. Um, I think we're just not getting it. We're just not getting that assortment. It's really interesting. You see, but you see like Lululemon and some of them that seem to be making headway in that, right? I mean, they seem to be making headway in the styles and newer, different kind of styles that, yeah, like you said, are beyond just the black, Um, you know, and not to mention that in-store experience, which seems to be another angle that, you know, there's certain segments of the population that does appreciate. And especially with those kinds of stores, it plays a big role in it too. And that could, yeah, yeah that could cause a little bit of, a, of extra excitement, a, a bit of extra, a little bit of extra emotion that would eventually lead to that conversion that they want. Yeah. And I think the leisure <clears throat> category has certainly been, you know, one of the brighter spots of women's apparel in the past few years, but even that is starting to die down a little bit, you know, it's become super competitive. Everyone has their kind of athleisure line. Um, Competition is really fierce. Um, So for those, for that category in particular, you have, you have to differentiate on style and on service in the store for sure. Yeah. I think I I saw something from Under Armour um, a week or two ago with their earnings saying that athleisure was a little bit of a hit for them, meaning that, um, differentiating is, is very difficult because it's so saturated right now and maybe the people aren't buying as much of it anymore right yeah yeah um so moving on to um i guess more of the actual elements of these in-store technologies i'm, I'm really curious to know because we get in these podcasts we get kind of 
we get into the gadgety stuff too sometimes just because it's you know i'm a gadget spaz and and jose maybe not so much but still uh understanding like what's happening in these stores is is very interesting and you mentioned a few of them earlier um, about the cameras and maybe uh sensors yeah so what we see is that um retailers are starting first and foremost at the door Excuse me, as much as they can about how many people cross in front of the store, how many people come in, if they change their windows, does that impact traffic into the store? When they walk into the store, do they go right, do they go left, do they go straight ahead? Have they been there before? Are they male? Are they female? What are their ages? And, you know, maybe a little bit about that initial path within the store. Um, And then, of course, once once you have all of that information, which, by the way, is you know, infinitely more information than somebody, a retailer would have had 10 years ago. I know it's amazing actually thinking about it. You get all of that information just at the front door. And then you start to kind of tick off a couple of different um, segments within the store. So one thing retailers really want to understand is that full path of the shopper. Mm -hmm. So um, you can of course do that with uh, video technology. It's the most um, accurate way to do it you have the most granularity, but it's not practical for all retailers. So if you're a Home Depot, for example, you're not going to cover your entire floor with cameras that can see, you know, 600 or 700 square feet. It's just cost prohibitive and it is um, not practical uh, on a large scale to do that across multiple stores. So um, I think that the, the, the notion of tracking that shopper path is really important. Um, the best way to do it with you know, granularity and um, precision is with video, but you can get really good information by using your, you know, sometimes with your existing Wi-Fi network, you can start to understand anonymously where shoppers are going in the store. It's a coarser view of where they go, but it's still really important information that can help you make you know, pretty important decisions about store layout, placement, etc. So I think that shopper path, no matter how you do it, if you do it with beacons, if you do it with video, if you do it with Wi-Fi, um, understanding something about the flow of shoppers through the store is one area that retailers are pretty hot on right now. Yeah. I think the second is being able to tick off uh, operational points of friction and being able to really solve for that experience piece itself. So um, it could be, you know, cues in a fitting room. I mean, in today's retail, it still shocks me that I go shopping on a Saturday morning. I have to wait in line to try something on that just shouldn't happen today. Um, So, um, you know, employing some of these technologies to help you better understand how to staff your fitting room or how to staff a service area. If it's a, um, you know, if it's a DIY retailer, like when do you need more people working in the paint section? Um, being able to really use this type of data to help optimize those areas, I think is, you know, another kind of top of the list for retailers. Um, and then when you start to talk about things like smart lighting and smart fixtures. I think that's a little more futuristic, but it's not that far off. So I know that GE has a, a product or an assortment of products, the GE current platform that um, you know are starting to address some of these infrastructure opportunities to collect more data within retail. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting to us. Um, RFID, I think is probably as far along as that. Like a lot of retailers have been realizing some good ROI from just the inventory applications around RFID. 
but the technology is improving and advancing. And when you can start to understand that product movement in relation to the human movement in store, um, the list of segmentations of shopper activity gets even bigger. Uh, the list of questions you can answer gets even broader. The stores get even smarter, if you will. Right. It's more data, more information on the people that are buying your product and how to make them happy, right? Yeah. And to increase those conversions. And you mentioned the GE stuff, and that, that's more of a sensors type thing, right? Yeah, well, all of this is sensor, right? Like the <clears throat> sure. sensor, Wi-Fi is sensor, mm -hmm. RFID is a sensor in some ways. So, you know, anything that's put in the store to give you some data about uh, movement of people or products, I think we would consider a sensor. Well, it's really interesting. And the coolest thing about this, like I was mentioning earlier, is that it's transparent, you know, to the shopper. I mean, I think, you know, there are certainly best practices around um, the the when you get to a personal understanding of how shoppers shop, you definitely, yeah. shoppers need to have a, a, an ability to um, understand what's happening and say, hey, I don't want to be part of this. Um, and, you know, the best practices are really around notice and choice. So it's, it's incumbent upon the retailer to certainly provide that notice to say, Hey, you've logged into our guest Wi-Fi here in our terms and conditions. You're going to say that you agree to um, us knowing certain things about right. um, you and what you're doing in the store. Same with video. Um, so I think, you know, having having the ability when when you can get to that personal information to opt out of it is super important. Sure. And most is most of this type of smart store technology is anonymous and aggregate and I may know what men of your age do within a particular retail environment, but I don't know that it's you and I can't do anything to directly impact what you as Todd Harris is doing in the store in most cases. Yeah. There's no mind control yet, right? No, yeah. no. <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun, Bridget. I really appreciate you joining. This is uh, this is a good topic and I'm sure we're going to come around again and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll look for your insight on a few more things as we keep covering this this area. Yeah, no problem. And that is the show. That's episode 13. It was great to have Bridget Johns on to join us this time. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can email us at brickdatacast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at brickdatacast. If you want to subscribe to us, we are on iTunes, Google Play, Music, and Stitcher. That way you get all of our latest episodes delivered to your device. And until next time, take care. We'll see you on episode 14. Bye.